welcome. Welcome. The curtains are drawing. We're in a big amphitheater, as you'd assume. Yep. But because... It's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. <laughs> um, it's time to get things started on the 2020 inaugural Shite and Sound Sight and Fuck. Shite and Showdown for the Crown 2019. Deep cut. Fuck off. 2019. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm just trying to keep saying so many words. Part two. We're back, still in the Civic. We've been here for a full week. And let me tell you, they are not happy about it. <laughs> no, there are cobwebs growing over us from yep. the giant spiders they've sent in to flush us out. <laughs> Paddington has eaten his single marmalade sandwich <laughs> and is now hibernating. <laughs> <laughs> so he will not be presenting any awards this episode, sadly. No. No, come back. I'll go wake him. No, no, it's very dangerous. <laughs> oh, no. You should wake a hibernating bear. No. We've, we've, we've got to get a new presenter in. Okay, and of course, our secondary presenter okay. Oh, okay. is the jacket from Deer Skin. <laughs> it's a talking Deer Skin jacket that makes you kill people. I, I thought you were going to say the cape, Dr. Strange's cape. No, okay, do you know who it is? It's Benedict Wong. <laughs> Benedict Wong, everyone. Yeah. No. It's, it's Benedict Wong from Gemini Man. <laughs> but only... So dead. Spoilers wow. for Gemini Man. This is, this is, this is like at the beginning of Gemini Man where he's got like a plane. And you're like, oh, he's cool. Yeah, he's got a Benedict water Wong. plane. <laughs> Benedict Wong, an incredible host for an incredible show. What a lovely guy. 12 Stories Down, I believe that good show's on. Sunshine's Benedict Wong. The best Benedict in Doctor Strange. The second best being Eggs Benedict. That's right. It's been a full week later. We're covered in cobwebs. As I said, Finn, Sound Nicholas. Yes. How are you feeling? What have you been eating for the past week in this room? Uh, I've... Uh... <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, absolutely what? not. What were you going to say? <laughs> I, was, I was about to say something horrifying and terrible. Say it and I'll beep it, then react. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I've been... Oh, Just like, why why would I even think of that? I'm not beeping there. Yeah. They're just cutting it entirely. No, I think beeping uh oh, that is genuinely uh it's very troubling that that's inside your mind. Yep. That was the first thing I thought of when you said what have you been eating? <laughs> oh, oh my god. For those of you listening at home, it is as bad as you think. And now no Paddington has mauled Benedict Wong to oh, death. No. <laughs> like, so he's dead, like in Gemini <laughs> Man. And so now Paddington is back hosting. It's a good thing we're socially distancing from him because. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's researched back to normal now. Also, wasn't he a hologram last time? <laughs> yeah, a hologram of a, re- a hard light hologram. <laughs> okay. So he still has mauling capabilities. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Best editing. Ah, it is, of course, my winner for best editing last year. That's right, it is Kevin Feige for... (laughs) I mean, imagine. (laughs) 
Julian Lacheray, Lacheray for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. When you rewatch that film, you realize how much of it is silently looking at each other, and whoever chooses all that looking does a very good job. Good one, Julian. He's welcome on the, the stage. I presume he's French, so he's walking around in a, a very French way. My nominees this year are Andy Kenny for The Invisible Man, Jennifer Lame or Lame for Tenant, Yang Jinmu for Peninsula, in some areas Train to Busan colon Peninsula, Andy Dicklett and Matt Friedman for Palm Springs. A lot of good montage in that. Yep. And my winners are Craig Alpert, James Thomas and Michael Gambra. For Borat, subsequent <laughs> movie film. What they say? If you can deliver her to Rudy, you will live. They must have shot like that. They shaped what must have been a mountain of footage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. It, 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 the success of that, there are two major factors in the success of that film. One is the cut, and the other is coming up in Best Actress. My ones from last year are Augustin Rolandelli and Alejo Mogolansky for La Flor. How do you edit a 16-hour-long film and make it incredibly compelling the entire time? I don't know, but they did it. <laughs> yeah. There is a five-hour-long section of that movie, which is a uh, movie about spies. It's a, it's a, it's a five-and-a-half-hour-long five uh, spy thriller where nothing happens, and it's incredible. It's the best thing I saw in a theater last year, was this five-hour-long movie about spies where nothing happens. My nominees this year are Chris Dickens and Steve McQueen for Lover's Rock. Uh, yeah. My number four is Kitty Green and Blair McClendon for The Assistant. Oh, yes. Number three Fuck. is Andy Kenny, The Invisible Man. Number two, Deirdre Bowen, Pam Dixon, and Matthew Hannum for Possessor. And number one, I'm going to give it every award I can. Number one, uh, Sion Sono and Takeyuki Masuda for The Forest of Love Deep Cut. I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, that like some of the like propulsiveness of of that comes from the like TV structure that they're kind of doing, but within each of those episodes, it flows incredibly well. And ha ha having seen both versions of it, it works better as a five and a half hour long movie than it does as a two and a half hour long movie. I, I and, and like the thing I would say to support that is I have no interest in seeing the short version yeah. because. I don't know what you would cut yeah. and, uh, from the five-and-a-half-hour version, and you wouldn't lose, like, a major... Well, like, like part of what's terrifying about the about the, the, uh, uh, the two-and-a-half-hour version of, of The Forest of Love is that it doesn't make any sense. And, like, it, it is, it's incredibly compelling and watchable, and, and all those performances are still, like, fantastic. But, like, it is, it, it's, just like, it is so hard to tell. Like, it is totally impossible to know what's what's happening now or what's happening next. And it is, oof. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it, it's, check it out. <laughs> First quarter final, Small Axe versus The Assistant. Um, okay. <laughs> 
So we are now the quarterfinals. Yes. The first quarterfinal. Small Axe. Ever heard of it? Yes. Five films about how racism is bad. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so dismissive. No, about the beauty of community and resisting violence in different ways. And there's a real good... And about how cool reggae music is when it's uh, good. Yeah. Because there's some reggae music that fucking sucks, but all the reggae music in Small Axe is good. And there's a real sweet-ass bit where John Boyega chases someone yeah. through a warehouse. Oh, that, that scene fucking rules. It, it, it's the slap. Yeah. And a film that I would term the exact opposite of Small Axe. No, it's not. No. The Assistant. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Kitty Green's The Assistant. Which one do you want to... Okay. This is tough because they both feel like these are the two films where I do kind of want to be like, at the end of 2020, this is the film. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Or this is the collection of things. And then the, the assistant is like being like, look, this, this documentarian can make this small digi feature with like the third lead from a Netflix show, Bloodlines, yeah. about Harvey Weinstein. No, she's on Ozark. Uh, it was right. Jules Wilcox from Alone is on Bloodline. That's yeah. right. Ozark, never seen it. No. And just making it with the precise heart-rending care mm. that you need to versus Steve McQueen being like, get out of my way. I'm about to drop five <laughs> albums at once. Check this shit out. And like each being like kind of a distinct thing, but together yeah. they're a clear thing. But like, one is this massive statement, one is a laser-focused point, right? How do we decide this? I'm really not sure on this one. Obviously, I think Small X and The Assistant are both are, are, are both incredible, and they're both, both important, and both will be, like, remembered as kind of, like, defining texts of the early, like, 2020s. Oh, yeah, I can't remember if I've said it yet, but I, I get, like... Small X is so far we're a fifth of the way in, so it's all right to call it. It's 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 decalogue, like yeah. it is it is it is a, a work of such moment and scale that it kind of justifies the whole genre of motion pictures <laughs> in some ways. You know, I mean, you could also make the argument for Possessor, but it is but it is like it it is the singular, incredible, uh, creative act. Um, yeah, what makes Small X so fascinating is like these don't feel like Steve McQueen films, really. Like, like, like some hit, to like a greater or less extent. A lot of his films, especially like Shame and Widows, yeah. are so are like so cold. Yeah, and and like Hunger also like like Hunger I think has like a real like sense of human suffering and the, the importance of the resistance against unjust and and cruel authority, as does Twelve Years a Slave. But like his films, for the most part aren't super connected to like human emotions or or they go about demonstrating them through just unflinchingly staring at actors as opposed to like attempting to express that in the film yes yes. yeah which is what i think the 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 small acts films are like kind of incredible at and and like it is it's it's so interesting seeing something that like I absolutely wasn't expecting from 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 McQueen and him still kind of like totally pulling it off. Yeah, I like. I think the one that feels the most like a McQueen film to me is also the one that feels the most like The Assistant, which is Red, White, and Blue, 
where um what's his name from Pacific Rim Uprising? John, John Boyega. That's right, John Boyega. Um uh, uh plays uh, an aspiring police officer who becomes a, a trained police officer uh and discovers just how deep the racism within the police system yeah. goes. Uh and, and so much of that film is about just watching John Boyega kind of refuse to crumple while also realizing like are these things fixable uh, uh is it is this the way to do the thing and i think there's a lot of that in julia gardner's performance uh as well and the, yes, the, yeah. these are these two kind of brief glimpses into to lives that have been uh dedicated to something that they're realizing is probably wrong yes yeah um and the interesting thing is that that in in the case of Boyega's performance he's playing a real person uh, the the man who went on to face some light corruption charges and also found the black policeman's association uh, in, in England which uh, I've read mixed reviews of right. but uh, uh, most I assume by racists whereas like the thing that upsets me the most about the assistant is the fact that it's clear that uh, the film thinks nothing will change and yeah. the, the, there is no hope going forward and it feels so de- desolate to me but then again like the alternative that it's proposing is itself you know mm. is that it's like the way to not end up in this situation is, is to, to make like, yeah, things is, like this yeah this way. Is, is to like find a way to work outside of that system yeah and to, and to like not allow men like weinstein to gain control of it again and it is so well yeah and uh, and obviously for people not to turn a blind eye mm. and to kill all men yes. um uh, uh <laughs> but no not not us we're the good ones <laughs> Um, except for the good ones, me and Finn and uh, Robert Pattinson, because <laughs> I just want to see that that Batman film. Yeah, I believe it's called Batman Returns and the Fantabulous Dawn Night. of the Planet of a Batman. I mean, like, okay, what it right? What 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 if the sequel to the Batman is our Batman? I was gonna say what 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 if like all the humans died. In the Planet of the Apes movies, except for Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Batman versus Apes. That it, well, I mean, there are. Uh, like, that, that would be my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> I feel like it's a way of CGIing that into, yeah. you know? Um, I do like that idea <laughs> a lot now. I, oh, now, man. Not enough mashup franchises. I really thought this would end up being our last two, or but then the seed worked out the way it did, yeah. um, and so it feels cruel to make this decision now. Well, and it is the fact that I think both, uh, like Kitty Green is obviously at the beginning of her career as yeah. a fiction uh, filmmaker, she, um, but like she landed it. The thing, okay, the thing that is swaying me towards small acts is the fact is is the terrible thing which is the first time i saw the assistant i didn't like it that much but then i realized i was wrong whereas it it felt and and like part of the power of small acts and part of i think the strong argument to consider small acts a group of things one thing as opposed to five individual films even um is the fact that there is a clear shape to them as a group you have to start with mangrove you have to end with education yeah you have to start with kind of an end with these different kinds of hope. And it, and, it, and, and it was like the assistant, it took me reflecting on it to be like, oh no, that was incredible. 
Whereas like Mangrove, the beginning of Mangrove, seeing the life inside of the Mangrove restaurant and then just being like, oh, you're so well expressing to me, someone who has no real experience of this kind of a moment, how it felt and why it was yeah. good. I knew, I was like, I was like, oh shit, this is, fuck, this is genius. So I think with the assistant, I think I, I like the assistant more than any of the small films individually, apart from maybe Lover's Rock. I think it's probably tied around Lover's Rock for me. Yeah. But but yeah, when taken together, I think Small, small Axe is, is kind of like, the is 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 the superior work oh the the reason small x is top was top of my list mm. is that like gun to my head the best film made this year is lovers rock i yeah i, I think lovers rock is is uh it's better than any of them and i feel like all arguments you can make for all of small x you can make it specifically for lovers rock yeah. except for you can't be like what do you think of Letitia Wright's performance? That bloody courtroom scene in Lovers Rock. I mean, there is the bit where no, no there, there is. Lovers Rock is just like just incredible master filmmaking, and um, yeah, there is as much as I love the assistant. I, I, I think it's got to be, uh, it's got to be Small Axe. I uh, yeah, but man, it's a terrible draw. Yeah, because the like, I love you, the assistant. Uh, keep doing what you're doing oh this is what i want oh no we can when we get to when we talk about best director we can talk some more about the assistant Best Ensemble. My winner for Best Ensemble last year was La Flore, where you had, uh, 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 you had the, the same four actresses in five different stories across uh, 15 hours. They're all fantastic. They all get the chance to be like the leads of their own stories. And uh, I, I, just, I think all those performances are so much fucking fun. And like that movie becomes like a weird like boyhood thing where like it was shot over 10 years because that's how long it takes to make like a 15 hour long movie. And so, like, you get to see them, like, age as it's made by the last part of it. Two of the actresses are pregnant with children. It's, like, it's, it's, it's such a, yeah, like, that's, it's one of the best uses of, of actors in a, in a movie, I think. And they're all equally fantastic. Uh, my nominees for this year are The Old Guard. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, there's number six, uh, number five, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Number three, The Five Bloods. Uh, number two, Bill and Ted Faced Music. And, uh, oh, uh, sorry, I, I, I missed, uh, uh, missed out David Burns' American Utopia. And then number one for me is Lover's Rock. Evening, Mr. Blair. Happy birthday, young lady. You pass your letter? Yes, neighbor, me pass. Move, man. Do move. Good luck. I hear you're coming, but you know you have to pay a shekel like everybody else. Don't worry about that, sister. I yep, I have Little Women, which is probably last year's film, but I saw it this year and it came out around Christmas. Oh, so um, that that was released in New Zealand on the first of January this year. Okay, but I saw it on the first of January and included it as last year because I'm a a, a contrarian uh, shithead. Uh, yep. Great ensemble, yep. good work, all of them. Birds of Prey, or the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Bill and Ted Face the Music, David Burns' American Utopia. 
the personal history of David Copperfield. I'm thinking of ending things, even if it's four people, five, still an ensemble. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I'm going to go slightly wider than you and give it to all of Small Axe. Yeah. You know, I find the world it just move forward. Always do. Big change. That is a slow turning wheel. Sometimes I think Earth needs to be scorched. Replanted. Something good will come of it. Something good. There is not a bad performance in Small Axe. No. Uh, yeah, um, but all good. Second quarter final first cow versus the forest of love deep cut. Okay, shit. What do you f- you want, Forest of Love? Oh, I, yeah, I, I, I want Forest of Love. I'm incredibly torn. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of what argument I could make to you for, for, for First Cow. Apart from being like Toby Jones. <laughs> Toby Jones is the only other actor I could see doing a great mix. Joe Morata. Oh, so on the walk here, I was, I was thinking about how, uh, how Shion Sono's Prisoner of a Ghostland is coming out next year. Yeah. Finally, it's debuting at Sundance. We're finally going to get to see the Shion Soto Nicolas Cage collaboration. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, Cage is the only, like, American actor I can think of. There's such, like, a massive difference in styles between, like, most Japanese actors and most American actors. Yeah. And Cage is, like, one of the few American actors who I, I think is able to, like, tap into that, 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 same, sort of, that same sort of thing that I, I love in, in certain types of Japanese cinema. Yeah. Where you're saying, like, I do not give a shit about realism. I'm going to play this as big as I possibly can, and I'm going to just like pivot wildly between uh, between like being the most charismatic person in the world and being the biggest scumbag who ever walked the fucking earth. And I I, I think I think that Cage is like one of is I, I think Cage could do like a good Joe Morata. Toby Jones, though, that's my argument for first cow. No, um, I. The argument against Forest of Love, which you know I like, yeah, yeah, is that as much as it is commenting on a lot of things, especially in regards to how films look at women, it also does all of those things, and sometimes not with enough irony around it, right? That I struggle so much to be able to be sure about what Sono's politics are, or not even politics, but like... I don't know whether he's an optimist or a nihilist, you know? Um, I mean, I... I know, I, 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 he is a nihilist. Well, but. I mean, I think that Sono is someone who, kind of like, like a lot of us, vacillates a lot between between yeah. the two. With someone like Love Exposure, I think that, that, that ends on, like, a very kind of like hopeful note. Yeah. Uh, where, the love is exposed. Exactly. Whereas a film like Guilty of Romance is just, like, j- just has, like, one of the most downbeat endings I've ever seen in a movie. And they're, they're, uh, I'd say, like... For, Forest Love Deep Cut is somewhere kind of like in, in between the two, where where like I think the 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 
biggest difference, not not just to like what like events are included, but the thing that makes the biggest difference between the two cuts of the movie is the very ending of it. In the Forest of Love, the film version, it ends with uh, Shin running off into the forest, and then Joe Murata, he comes out of the forest, he sees a car pull up, and it is driven by Eiko, uh, who's been uh, dead for, you know, 20 years. Who, who's, yeah, who's dead, hang, who's, who, the, the key thing about her is that she's dead. Yeah, she pulls up driving the car, he flags her down, and he, he, he gets in the car, and he, he, he asks her where she's going, and she turns to him, and, uh, just with this incredibly soft voice, she just says, "Go to hell." Yeah, I mean that's that's the ending of a movie. But in 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 the in the deep cut, she turns to him and she says, "Go to hell." And then they they drive off, and then it cuts to the stage. We've seen flashbacks to Taiko and Mitsuko Echo, and their, their friends all rehearsing their their version of Romeo and Juliet throughout the film. And what we see is them finally being able to perform it. And it, it's no longer just a dress rehearsal, it's it's them actually being able to do their version of Romeo and Juliet, which like which was the most important thing to all of them and which was derailed by by the the, the senseless tragedy and which has like haunted the and which is like haunted uh, uh Tego Mitsuko for the last like for the last like ten years. And you get to see this fantasy of them finally being able to to perform it and being able to express all the things that they've always wanted to express to each other and and that, that, and that, that, that and that is how that version ends and that is why that's part of why I like the deep cut more is because it is such a more like hopeful ending yeah it acknowledges that the ending is a, is a fantasy and all of these people are fucking dead now and they, 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 their lives have been destroyed for no good reason, yeah. through the like insane fucking like restrictions that were like placed on them by their parents, by society, and all, all the terrible things that they they were forced into doing by the like way that they were raised. Yeah, and yeah, so I think in the deep cut there, there is like some sense of hope for all of us, even if it is like a distant hope. Everything you've just said is correct. First Cow's final moment has oh, incredible has contains both of those feelings. Yeah. It is an incredibly pessimistic ending and I find it also an incredibly optimistic ending. Yeah, no, the ending of First Cow is is incredible. And it doesn't need two cuts to express both of those viewpoints. Yeah. Um and the, here is my argument as to why it should be First Cow. First Cow is Kelly Reinhardt uh uh Kelly Reichard. Oh, uh yes. Yeah. Um, I'm still on Benedict Wong's Wikipedia page, and I'll never leave. Um, Lady in the Tramp? Is that the, like, is it the, the like, remake that came out? Like, yeah, last yeah. Year? Yeah, no, Kelly Reinhardt is, uh, um, no, 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 Kelly Reinhardt is from Laguna Beach, oh, okay. the TV show. Right. Um, uh, is a woman making a film about, uh, interracial platonic friendship in a world of racism and, and violence where people go on charming small capers that feel like they have the stakes of both just stealing some milk and also the 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 sanity of civilization yeah um and the the that sits inside that that manages to sit i i think you could watch first cow at any moment of history even though it came out this year and you'd be like oh it's about now whereas forest of love is sion sono who who's a man 
uh, writing a film where of the two leads, one is a woman who goes around in a bra declaring she's a slut a lot. Yep. And the, his camera does like to look at her and she For gives sure. a great performance. And he does subvert that. He does question it, but not every time. I'm not swaying you at all, am I? Not, not. I mean, not, not really. Like, like, he's, he's, like, I, I, I would be, I, I'd be very sad to, 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 to lose either of these from, from yes, a bracket. Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously. But like, and the, like that's the point. Yeah, right? yeah. But like, the, <laughs> to make this difficult on yeah. ourselves. But like, The Force of Love is my favorite movie of the year, and Sono is one of those guys. Where like, even if I am not totally sure what he's doing which is which is often yeah because he he's 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 a hard guy to he's a hard guy to read oh yeah yeah but like even at those points i am still almost always fully on board for like whatever thing's gonna throw me next and as much as i love the the performances in in first cow i, th- I think uh i think that o- o- orion lee and and john majero are both are both fantastic i love toby jones I, I, I mean, like my 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 two favorite performances of the year are Eri Kamataki as Mitsuko and Kipeshina as as Joe Murata. And there has not been a movie this year that has that has horrified me, that has made me laugh, that has made me want to throw up. Is, the Forest of Love is a movie that contains everything that I like want out of movies, pr- pretty much. It is. Each of the three times I've watched the various versions of this, I've tried to write about it, yeah. and I just can't. I I can't I can't like put down in words what my thoughts are on this movie because it's just like it's so draining just to think about. And like it it, it is this movie and Margaret are two movies that I saw for the first time this year. They're just like totally like infected my mind in a way that a movie has never done to me before. And like I love First Cow, and I'll definitely be watching it. Hopefully heaps more times over my life but like it 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 it, it didn't like it, it it didn't like get inside my brain and like ruin my day for a while you know but which to me the force of love is just like such an intense expression of which first cow was also like this like intense expression of like rage at, at like how oh, fucked right. the world is yeah. there's just something about it that i cannot put into words that that movie just fucking does to me okay i buy it but i'm not happy about it <laughs> I'll give you this. Fine. Forest of Love, Deep Cut Survives. The first cat for every other human on Earth. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. What I'd really like is a farm. The land south of here is wide open. The world wants filberts. Or walnuts. Or almonds. Something you can pick up and sand. But you can't just grow a tree. It takes time. Best Cinematography. My winner for Best Cinematography 2019 was Hong Kyung Pyo for Parasite. That every single shot of that movie is so fucking incredible looking. That's obviously one of the best, if not the best, movies of the of the 2010s. Yeah. And just every fucking frame is gorgeous. And the, the, the 
and yeah, I I, 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 could, I could look at that movie forever. My nominees this year, I've, my nominees are Stefan Duskio for The Invisible Man. Number five, we've got Christopher Blauvelt for First Cow and Emma with a full stop. Mm-hmm. Number four, we have Kareem Hussein for Possessor. Number three, Michael Latham for The Assistant. Number two is Shabir Kirshner for Lovers Rock and all of Small Acts, but but lo- lo- Lovers Rock especially. And at number one, uh, my winner is Sohei Tanikawa for Forza Love Deep Cut. Really though, the best cinematography of the year. I don't know. I love that movie so much. <laughs> but the be- okay, cool. Yeah. Um, my winner, my winner from last year, uh, we've got, uh, love him, Powell Pogazilski oh, yeah. for Midsommar. Oh, right. Love how bright he made that look. <laughs> Just got five punks this time. He's an oldie. He's a goodie. He won but two years ago for Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. Roger Deeks. <laughs> For 1917, mm. a film that is all cinematography, yes. kind of. Uh, the successes of that film is cinematography. And, and the two leads do, do good work, but just imagine that film with in any other setting with any other plot. Kareem Hussein for Possessor. Darius Konji for Uncut Gems. Oh, yeah. Ian McGibbon and Matt Asbury for Soul. They were the oh, two. Okay. But like... Yeah. Soul is the best looking animation in a long time, and I call it the best looking film in a long. It is the best looking film in a long time, but a key thing for me on cinematography is is how does it speak to the interior world of character and the story it's telling, which means there's a clear winner, and that is Jaron Balashk for The Lighthouse. Right. Yeah. I seen you sparring with a golf. Best leave him be. Bad luck to kill a seabird. More tall tales. Bad luck to kill a seabird. It's great. Good. It looks beautiful. And if that, and, and like, I get there's the ostentatious let's shoot it like it was made at the time it was set thing, but that feeds so much into the story. That's so much into the mania. So much in the performances. It's, yeah, I mm. cannot. I cannot see that film any other way. Congratulations, Jaden. Third quarter final, The Invisible Man vs. Sound of Metal. They're two kinds of ends of the genre stick, yeah. right? They're both films with surprisingly hopeful endings. Yeah. They're, they're films where the fact that they end happy-ish seem like a twist. <laughs> both films, the fact that they're not, they're like, oh no, there is optimism in the world. You're yeah. like, okay, cool. I, oh man can't believe this was my idea to do this to ourselves and the next one's even harder okay how yeah i'm now trying to think of ways to compare them because of it because these are both films that uh very much about spending time with the characters they lose sense of reality yeah and, and go into different kinds of denial um, about different things. Well, no, she doesn't really go into denial. Invisible Man. It's the world that goes into yes. in, into denial. The thing that tips it for the Invisible Man for me is that it does fit. Like Sound of Metal would have been that good ten years ago. You know, right? Yeah. I mean, Riz would have been a bit young. We could have done it, uh, or twenty years ago. You know, or 
whereas Invisible Man feels like it has managed to step it, like step right into a modern conversation and have something to add to it, you know? Mm. Like here are the these conversations we're having about gaslighting and men being shit. Yeah. And it, it's, and making a horror film about it that's not just that's not just the end point. It's contributes, yeah. you know? I would also put Invisible Man over the sound of metal. But like, it's hard. But... Yeah, it is. It is tough. Then we should say goodbye to the sound of metal. The mm. sound of metal, I think I think we did not talk about last time is Olivia Cook. Yeah. Who is a uh, an actor who um is great in thoroughbreds but elsewhere has struggled yeah like i i've i've not, I mean, seen, I've not seen life itself but like I, I keep forgetting that that film exists but that character could so easily be a lamp or yeah. a lamp with a post-it note on it who are uh, and that she she's never resolutely that and it's one of those things where like there's a cut of this film no, there isn't but like from her perspective that is equally interesting and compelling right yes and, yeah. and, and that is a a synthesis and that is a clear point of connection with cook doing great performance and uh and, and the directing and writing and everything around her and the sense of what what makes sound of metal work for me is verite that that we never really sometimes always doesn't quite it is just that sense of like sound of metal is like i could just i could just follow that person right yes, and yeah. i would have ju- like and i would see just a whole new bit of the world or i you know you could follow anyone at any of those gigs and it feels like that something would be happening to yeah. them there was so much going on at that like rehab clinic or about school there is an incredible movie to be made about any part of this movie's world well yeah and there's like when you first meet the kids at um when he's first introduced to the kids at the school and one of them does something mocking and i cannot remember yeah. what it is and the teacher just shoots them a look and you're like oh there's a whole other story going on there and, and, and that it manages to do that while still very much being a film about Ruben, about Riz. And The Invisible Man, when you look deep at Beth Moss, and, and, and as much as like the, the people she's staying with, the two good performances, like you don't want to go there. You don't want to follow the architect whose job she's at. Like right, even yeah. a version of that film from the invisible man's perspective wouldn't it be good the world feels more sealed yes and less interesting and well no it it feels sealed with a very pointedly open but like defined ending and beginning like so much of the power of the beginning of that film is that the first 10 minutes tell you everything you need to know about their relationship building up to that point and I and I think it's that's a really special thing that Sound of Metal does. I I do think Invisible Man is better though. Uh, yeah, but it, we that's are close. These are two five star films. They, we are we are now yeah. It's the Top Chef thing. You Sound of Metal. You're going home for a good dish. Invisible Man, you're getting paint thrown all over you. Delicious. Um, oh, remember, he must have been so annoyed. My suit. Now people can see me. Um, and yeah, just how man. Yeah, but yeah, check out Sound of Metal. It is strong AF. Yeah. And uh, I, I, man, I hope Riz gets an Oscar yes, nom yeah. or uh, some like. I hope he breaks big out of it, and I hope Olivia Cook breaks big out of it, even though she's already kind of on that plane. And lovely to see Matthew Elmerich. I hope. Um, my hope for him in films uh, for next year is that 
uh, when they do all that, like, oh, all the Daniel Craig Bond films are one story. Um, they don't, like, they have in the past been like, yes, all the people you fought, Le Chiffre, Javier <laughs> uh, Bardem. I hope your picture gets yeah. to go up on Spectre's wall this time, Matthew. Uh, good job in that diving bell. Hey, Hector, what's going on, man? It's Ruben. I'd say it's good to hear your voice, but I can't hear a fucking word you're saying right now, so this is completely pointless. Lou wanted me to call you because I had a cigarette. Uh, you know, not great, not ideal, but considering the circumstances, which are pretty fucked up, you know, understandable. I'd say understandable for everyone apart from Lou, it seems. Um... I got this, bro. I know you'll probably be asking me if I'm steady right now, if I'm feeling level. Not completely, but I'm cool. You tell me serenity is something you get when you uh, stop wishing for a different past. Bro, I love you, man. Oh, my manager wants a, wants a phone back, so I, I gotta go. Okay, love you, bro. Hey, yeah, he, he can't hear a word. Best actor. So my winner from last year was Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. He is incredible in that. Yes. Playing Pedro Almodovar. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got his hair, he's wearing his jacket. Yeah. Yeah. At the last second, I'm going to cut uh, David Lynch for What Did Jack Do? <laughs> um, if you haven't seen What Did Jack Do, yeah. it's, it's super fucking fun. And David Lynch is hilarious in it. My five are... Orion Lee for First Cow, uh, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Andy Samberg for Palm Springs, and Kipe Shina for The Forest of Love Deep Cut. Yes. My favorite performance of the year. My winner from last year is the unassailable, undebatable lead of Parasite, Choi Wook Shik. The son of the family. Yep. He is the protagonist. He is the lead of that film. It's about his arc. He kills it uh, that I gave him best on, gave them best ensemble and a best actor win. It's just how much uh, people ignore how good that performance yeah. is in that widely praised film. What a performance. <clears throat> Dev Patel, the personal history in David Copperfield being that charming and fun a lead is hard work. Yeah. And every frame he is on screen, it is a delight. Andy Samberg in Palm Springs. I am glad that, like, Pop Star is uh, a film that I love, but it's, you know, it's a sequence of jokes. Yeah. And I am glad that he's finally found the way to get his magic which we know works on small screens to work on a bigger screen yeah. on a wider canvas. It's great. Delroy Lindo in the five blood. Yeah, he, 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 he was just off my list. Yeah. Robert Pattinson in the lighthouse brackets and tenant. I just didn't, I would have nominated him for that as yeah. well, but I'm just consolidating on that note. Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Da Five Bloods, even though that's a supporting yeah. role. But I, I, I want to acknowledge the body of work. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is the best recording of a play released this year. Um, I, I, I think there is a lot of strong stuff in it. It does yeah. not quite become a film. Um, no, but Chadwick is 
incredible in that movie. It is, and the heartbreaking thing is, in a career where he's already shown us he can do four or five things, in his last performance, he's doing a whole yeah. new thing. The simmering, unstoppable, terrifying anger. Um, and uh, and like, that, that, like, oh, he could do this too, and and like that yeah. that that fucking speech about uh, that that fucking speech about his dad, the like eight minute long fucking monologue, yeah, is inc- it's yeah. great. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Um, uh, uh Viola Davis is also great, and mm. just missed out on my best yeah. actress list. It's good, and the music is cool. And yeah, uh, the obvious winner this year is Kipe Shina in the Forest of Love. Deep cut. No. As what's his name? Joe Murata. Joe Joe Murata, who is this bizarre clown hypnotist cult leader. He's essentially a man who goes around lying to people and just through sheer force of personality. Even though he's obviously lying, You're like he'll he'll tell them that he's lying to them, and they'll yeah. still believe him. Like it is, but it's not. They don't even believe him. They just go along. Right. With yes. It. Yeah. There was one scene. There was a flashback to a time where he used to. Uh, uh, we used to. He used to run a futon store, and he he decides he's going to become a musician, and he 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 comes into the futon store where like all, he's making all of his employees live there. They're just like sleeping on the ground at night. He 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 comes into the futon store. Jumps into the air, does does a somersault like in between all the mattresses or all, all the futons, and then like starts starts telling everyone to like like wake up because we're we're, we're, we're starting a band now to get all the pussies. Yeah, and it's I would say the funniest performance of the year. He is so fucking funny in in various parts of this, but he is also absolutely terrifying, absolutely pathetic. He is he is so charming. He is so off-putting. He does he does everything. This is a conversation that we had another time that I will try and reproduce for the podcast. Um, but like his performance, is, he's not really playing a character. No. Uh, in the way, there's that thing about Hannibal Lecter, and that Brian Cox played him as a man. Um, uh, Anthony Hopkins played him as uh, a vampire, and Mads Mikkelsen plays him as the devil. Yeah. Um, as this kind of judge, uh, which oh man. It's so good, man. Now I'm just thinking about how much I like Hannibal. Yeah, it's such a good show. Joe Murata is not a character. He is a different person with almost every line reading. Yeah, and, and that so much of you buy his cult of personality is because is because Sheena. Whenever he pl- like, he absolutely believes everything he is saying when he says it. Yeah. A- and then if he immediately afterwards says that, well, of course that's not true. He absolutely believes that as well. There is this distorting sense of reality about him. The fact that he it 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 is it, it's compelling and horrifying. You're never on his side. No. He he's gross and disgusting, and the film hates him, and you hate him, but he's. And he's not even an anti-hero. He's the villain protagonist, even if he's not even really the protagonist. But it, it's just yeah. It, it, there's yeah. It's like he he's in 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 the in the deep cut. He's he's not really like the main like kind of force of the movie, and, and until the the like third episode. I mean, like from from in, in, he, in, in, I, he in, only appears in like one shot in the first one. Well, no, no, in in in, in the. His it, face 
They're, no, because all the time on, he's on the phone in the first one, it's off his face. Anyway, right, yeah. he, he's a shadow that looms over the first in one. In part four, where he meets up with everyone in, in, in the bar and just like over the course of the episode just like converts everyone to, to, to like his kind of cult. And like from, from then on, he is just like undeniably like the only person in the movie you can kind of like pay attention to. Yeah. And like uh, at this point of the movie, like uh, Jay, Shin, and Fukami are making a movie about him, which Jay is directing and which Shin is is starring in as as Joe Murata. And he, he has this like incredibly antagonistic meeting with them, and over the course of like an hour, he 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 kind of brings him into to his cult, and then he starts to basically like, take over the the the, the movie they're, they're making yeah. about him. And and at the same time, he's taking over the film that you're watching yeah, about him. Yeah, yeah, it's. And, yeah, it's so good. Uh, two thumbs up. Fourth quarter final, I'm thinking of ending things versus Tenet. I'm uh, thinking of ending things where I started. That's right, it's Tenet. <laughs> and it was all a dream. I'm thinking of tenant things. <laughs> I mean, it's, oh, I feel like it's obviously I'm thinking of yep. ending things. I'm thinking of ending things, uh, expresses things about the human condition that I have, I have not seen represented anywhere else. Uh, that's my argument for it. So let's say goodbye to tenant. Um, you kick ass. Uh, yeah. uh, just the bit where they blow up the building forwards and backwards simultaneously <laughs> is, uh, like what moving pictures were invented yeah. to do or like the part where john david washington and rock Pattinson launch themselves up the side of a building using bungee cables oh, really just like are. it's it's so fucking good well and like uh we'll talk but, about it uh, uh, yeah. in our final and of course most prized award but also oh what was the thought that was just in my head and now it is entirely gone but like this is nolan doing like everything that like blockbuster filmmaking should be yeah just like doing crazy ass shit making real use of of that sort of a budget and that sort of like scope doing what he can like to like push the like push filmmaking technology forward yeah. by doing the weirdest shit he can think of well and, and, and the a most of it is is real mm. or what special effects are is like split screens or like wire yeah. removal and, and which is is like a thing that you know nolan says he's like oh you just know if it's real and then uh, yet yeah, seeing wonder woman in 1984 right yeah in imax on the same screen where everything is 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 digital and that's not necessarily a bad thing sure but like even when it's two people fighting and you're like oh you've added extra motion blur on that because you want to hide Kristen Wiig's cat face so it doesn't look too much like cats or um and you're just like oh no it it, like the real thing and the fact that so much of it like the the centerpiece the 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 middle of the film like the car chase is surprisingly small scale and it's surprisingly small scale because it's what could they could achieve for real yeah and that that you feel the pulse of it and, and the w- one of the many hits of adrenaline is the uh, uh the shot of when the plane starts hitting cars and you look at the cars and goes like they're not models yeah. yeah they drove a plane into cars and then into a building um and, and so like I, i'm just absolutely pro that and that the other thing is that there is all this batshit shit in it, but it comes from a very basic thing that Nolan was like, I should make a whole film about the fact that shit looks cool when you reverse <laughs> the footage. 
like and then he was just like i will work out every possible iteration you can do of that and i'll end with people firing a mortar at a building that unexplodes and then re-explodes again and 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 how things align and of course it ends where it starts and the whole film being a palindrome um and, and you know the interrogation that goes both ways and it and it it's it's just beautiful. It's beautiful that that, that that exists and that that much kind of craft time and care ha- has gone into it. Yeah. Uh, and also like that, like the bit where Elizabeth Debicki is like, look, I'm so tall. I'm going to unlock a car door with my leg from the back seat. You're like, the fuck? Of course. Um, I had a second thought about it, but no, it, it's, um, if you don't like it, that's fine. But I want you to ask yourself if you don't like it because it didn't do its job or because you wanted it to be something else. Nah, people are allowed to have their own tastes. When you exit the airlock, take a moment to orient yourself. Things will feel strange. When you run, the wind will be at your back. You encounter fire. Ice will form on your clothes as the transfer of heat is reversed. Gravity will feel normal, but it will reversed for the world around you. You may experience distortions in your vision and hearing. This is normal. Can I drive a car? Cowboy shit. I can't vouch for the handling. Friction and wind resistance are reversed. You are inverted. The world is not. Best screenplay. Who's coming out onto the stage? I mean, it's 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 Bong Joon Ho the Paris. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we got two. We cloned Bong. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a bit best group of the last year. Um, oh, I mean, of the last yeah. decade and Hanjin One. Oh, okay. yeah. My nominees for best screenplay for 2020 are Derek C in France, uh, Darius Marder, and Abraham Marder for Sound of Metal, Eliza Hitman for Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Number three, Kelly Reichardt and Jonathan Raymond for First Cow. Number two, Lee Wanell, The Invisible Man. Oh, Lee Wanell and H.G. Wells, The Invisible Man. Uh, he's adapting. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I, I know, I know. That is... Uh, uh, when I get to my list, you'll understand why I, I, I will explain why I'm making that distinction. Uh, and, uh, 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 and, and number one, uh, Shion Sono, The Forest of Love Deep Cut. <laughs> Uh, Look, Look, I've already talked about it enough. Yeah. Uh, I love that fucking movie. And there is no way that screenplay should work. Because it is uh, so crazy. Yeah. And uh, and like, when you get to episode seven of of the deep cut, the, the final part, there are a series of twist reveals and monologues that should should be deal breakers. Yeah. And uh I I I I don't I don't know if it's because of variety or because of a performing or because of a directing or or a combination of all three, but uh they are not. And I I totally uh buy into and enjoy all of them. And yeah. So uh, because we've already got Bung and uh, Han on the stage and we don't have the budget to clone them, I'm bringing out Celine uh, for oh, a yeah. portrait uh, of a lady on fire who, let, let's say we gave her a tie to, to announce my nominees, Robert and Max Eggers for The Lighthouse, yeah. Eleanor Catton and Jane Austen for Emma, full stop, yeah. because uh, a lot of the... Uh, a lot, a lot of what is in that film is from the book, but 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 Eleanor Catton um, uh, does a very good job of finding ways to make it cinematic. Yeah. 
Same deal for Simon Blackwell, Armando Iannucci, and Charles Dickens for The Personal History of David Copperfield. And also Lee Whannell for The Invisible Man, which is technically an adaptation yeah. of, from H.G. Wells. But my winner... Yeah, it, it, it's an adaptation of they both have an invisible man in the book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 but my winner is Charlie Kaufman and Ian Reid for I'm Thinking of Ending right, Things. Yeah. Looks lovely. So... Jake tells us you're a painter. Yes, Jake tells you correctly. I don't really know much about art, but I like pictures where you know what you're looking at. What's it called? Uh, abstract. Don't get that. I could do abstract. Smear some paint. I don't know what's it called. Uh, canvas. I think it's a con job, if you ask me. I like paintings that look like photographs. I couldn't do that in a million years. That is talent. Why, why not just take a photograph, add a few? like photographs much quicker and photographs look exactly like photographs i like photographs mostly sports photographs what kind of paintings do you make lucy as i say reading the book so much of the text is from the book so yep. it feels cruel not to equally give him the award but that they've found a way to make it a film rather than a book it's a real testament to old chuck kaufman <laughs> First semi-final small axe versus the forest of love deep cut. The semi-final time. Paddington's back on the stage. He's wiped the blood <laughs> from her. <laughs> and so small axe versus small axe cutting through flesh. The forest of love deep cut. This is like what I was hoping it would come down to. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you mean at the very end yeah okay it's small axe though it is it, i feel like it is empirically small axe i feel like it, uh, uh, as much as the forest of love deep cut can connect with you yeah. uh, personally as it connects with me less personally but like very effectively yes. it's a work of cinema small axe uh, uh, is a is a filmmaker at the height of their power making five individual works that, that i would all put a, a, at an eight or higher yeah. and all strong for that level and i would say that almost all my issues with them are issues of taste as opposed uh, to craft if you know what i mean, I mean yeah i'm not sure i disagree with that yeah, yeah. nothing's going to stop forest of love Cup being my favorite movie of the year but yeah i i, I think that small axe is the the best film like of, of, of the year well yeah it's the greatest achievement yeah right and it is ha like making lovers rock in a year would be an achievement yeah making lovers rock and mangrove and red white and blue and, and alex, alex weasel and, and education. education yeah uh, and that they work well separately and that they work well together that there are there are, there are stories within them like uh, uh and that there are three writers total uh, and yes. And that each is a distinct film in a distinct style. And like Forest of Love Deep Cut is, is crazy, <laughs> but is also another Sion Sono film, yep. you know? And next year we're going to have two more to talk about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, it's just going to become the, the annual Sion Sono discussion. I mean, I'm, I'm going to try. <laughs> All right, cool. I, it's, I was like, Brad, do you want to be a vote breaker? And she was like, I've seen two films <laughs> uh, on that thing. Um, uh, 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 three, if you count the amount of times I've played her. <laughs> seen scenes from Tennis. 
No, she's seen Tenant. I took. Her oh to right, Tenet. yes, yes. I took her to Tenant. But so let's say goodbye to. You've made a very good goodbye to to yeah. Forest of Love last time, but I will say that it is like uh, Finn's feelings aside. <laughs> Forest of Love was a film that kind of terrified me from the way Finn described <laughs> it, but I found it compulsively watchable. Yeah, like there there is a, as much as it is gritty and horrible and uh pointedly all over the place uh, and non-linear um it is it is in episodes but you can watch it all together i think yeah. I, I it didn't ruin my day and it has and and it feels like it should be big but everything is foot like every touch in it feels like almost the right touch uh, except when I'm like stop looking at women like that calm down <laughs> so it's like when they dismember the bodies <laughs> The fake bodies are just the right amount of fake, yeah. So that you there's the you're into splatter gore horror world, and you're never like, what am I dealing with? To the point where like, the most horrifying thing in the film is is when he lights a cigarette and burns someone yep. with it, and that's because they they've worked out a special effect to make it because it's all in one shot. But that's the one that we like. Oh, someone's actually got hit. Uh, it's a surprisingly oh, I don't know safe and flowy and silly and soap operatic film. Um, congratulations, Sion Soho. You 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 did a you did a great job, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of your movies in the future. Best actress. My winner for last year for best actress. Could, could I put the star of a documentary? Okay. No, yes. No, no, I no, mean, no. who though? I was, I was, I was, I was thinking of Agnes Varda for Varda by Agnes. No, she's so good. No, but we gave her like the ang- We gave her the we we had the Agnes Varda award for best uh, Agnes Varda. And of course, we retired it when she passed. My uh, winner from last year is Lupita Nyongo for Us. Mm. And um, I've, I've got 11 here. I'm not going to read all 11. I'm going to cut it down to five. Uh, my five uh, nominees for this year are Julia Garner, the assistant for Sydney Flanagan, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Number three, Jesse Buckley on Thinking of Ending Things. Uh, number two, Alison Brie, Horse Girl. And number one, Eri Kamataki, The Forest of Love Deep Cuts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, coming out on stage, we've got two presenters. No, I thought you might. I mean, yeah. you can't choose between Adele and Nomi. No, like that, 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 that's, that's why I had to go to. That's why I had to go to. And of to, course, to in Lupita. second place, we have another tie between Lupita and N- Lupita. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Jesse Buckley is thinking of ending things. Elizabeth Moss, she can't see that man. <laughs> Andrea Riseborough, she embodies. I, I I think Andrea Rosebury is is the definition of a supporting lead in that she is she has the screen time of a supporting actress, but that film does not work without yeah. her performance. Alison Brie and Horse Girl and Promising Young Woman. It's just to recognise yeah. both, and the obvious winner is Maria Bakalova in Borat, subsequent movie film. Drop in having 
children produced within wedlock. It's a huge problem in our society. And I think part of that is the decline of Christianity in, in the United States. Can I say um, something? Yes. I yes. I want you to speak now. I'd love for you to speak now. This important. Yes. Yes. Something really strange, something wonderful just happened to me. And I go to the toilet and I put my index finger and my, my middle finger on my cunt. And I found out that I wasn't stuck in and I wasn't eaten. Woman, this place is amazing. No teeth at all. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. Sure, I've, I've, only, I've only heard incredible things yep. about her. Already. No, uh, uh, yeah, just as you should watch it. Second semi-final, I'm thinking of ending things versus the Invisible Man. I'm thinking of looking for a man. I can't see him because he's invisible. And I can't see myself because I'm in a man's brain who's thinking about ending things. That's right. It's the Invisible Man, and I'm thinking of anything. So people who uh, weren't quite following that nonsense. No, you weren't writing word diagrams as I was going. Okay. Um. Shit. I think it's I'm thinking of ending things. No, I I I think it's the Invisible Man. They they are right next to each other in my yep, in my ranking yes. of the year. Okay. Okay. Try and convince me why it's Invisible Man. Okay. So like my thing with I'm thinking of ending things is is it just didn't quite connect for me in, in the same way that it connected for you. Obviously, it's a fantastic film, full of great performances, yeah. and I, I, I love how weird it gets. I just kind of like didn't get it, you know, which I, I think is like a, a failure of mine to understand a film rather than a failure of a film's. No, but you're not the only person yeah. to have that view. A lot of people have that view. I think it is a fa- yeah. I, I think it is an elitist film, and that is a mark against it. I'm just trying to think of arguments against mm. the Invisible Man, and I I'm gonna go with a pretty key one, yeah. which is Elizabeth Moss as a Scientologist. <laughs> Jesse Buckley's Irish. Okay. <laughs> oh shit! Oh no! Oh no! Okay, Invisible Man, mm. Elizabeth Moss, other people. Sure. Jesse Buckley. Yeah. Jesse Plemons. Yeah. Tony Collette, David Lewis, all doing incredible work. Yeah. I, yeah, it would be tough even if it was just me. Hmm. Yeah, no, and okay, let's put Invisible Man through, but in nine years, <laughs> when we do our best of the decade sure, yeah. bracket and both of these films come up, I force this <laughs> showdown again. I ca- I'm going to cash a chip when I'm 43 <laughs> and I'll be a bitter old man with a string of mobile phone shot indie features behind yeah, no, you. And, and now, now, now you'll be a janitor. <laughs> And then I'll be like, please. Okay, here is my argument okay. for I'm thinking of ending things. There are many great jokes this year. We've talked about Land of the Rising Sun. We've talked about the Baby Factory. But there isn't anything funnier than the janitor watching that terrible oh, film. Oh, no, okay, no, you're fucking right. <laughs> that, 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 that is my favorite joke of the year. <laughs> you need that job, idiot. I know. Did you say you loved me? I did. Idiot. 
directed by, by Robert, Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis. Yeah, no, that's the funniest fucking joke of the year. Yeah, we're, we're putting out I'm thinking of anything through. <laughs> God damn it, I can't believe I forgot about that fucking joke. Yeah. <laughs> and Invisible Man is so fucking good, yeah. though. Like, holy. And, like, it is the thing where it is like, yeah. I and, and I I'm excited to see what else happens uh, uh, with that approach to making monster films. I know that you feel like you're going insane sometimes, but I'm the only one who can help you. Remember, because I know you better than anyone else in the world. I mean, that shouldn't come as a surprise. Best director. Okay, so my uh, uh, my 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 best director winner for last year was Bong Joon Ho for Parasite. Yeah, uh, but that's uh, too easy. So I'm going to say it was actually Mariano Linas for La Flor because he directed a 15 hour long movie and it's all good. <laughs> and, and the most most yeah is what you should go for. But like, it's 15 hours of incredibly good stuff. My nominees for for this year are. Kelly Reichard, uh, Spike Lee, Brandon Cronenberg, Steve McQueen, and my winner, no. wouldn't, wouldn't you believe it, <laughs> is Shion Soto. Start! Yeah, they're all good. Yeah. They all did great jobs. And we all remember my tradition that, that uh, uh, I like to use Best Director to celebrate um, other films. Hmm. Uh, um, I because I I think it's too easy to just give best director to your favorite film. Yes. Uh, and and I think that there are a lot of films that are worth discussing out there. So very happy to welcome back onto the stage Jordan Peele's win for us right. uh, last year. You know, not 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 the top film, but mm-hmm. but strong work. Yeah. Yeah. And shout out uh, to to Jennifer Kent, my my second place director from last year. My nominees are. You'll never guess. It's Steve McQueen for Small Axe. Can't deny it. Spike Lee for The Five Bloods and David Byrne's American Utopia. Charlie Kaufman. He's thinking of ending things. Who's this? Will Beecher and Richard Phelan. It's a real Farmageddon. (laughs) A Shaun the Sheep movie. But my winner, I think the film that most lives or dies on its direction this year, uh, the director I... Uh, feel the most immediate connection with best director kitty green oh. for the assistant and you know how many people want to work here i've got 400 resumes teed up for your position alone ivy league grads 4.0 gpas and here you are sitting in my office stressed out jealous of some new assistant who's who's getting more attention than you i'm, I'm not not jealous i i was just i was worried for this girl she's a woman She's a grown woman. Sorry, yes. You think a grown woman can't make her own choices? I, I never said that. Because she's a waitress? I did, nope, I didn't. What I didn't then? Say that. What then? Listen, honestly, what do you want from me? Final round small acts versus I'm thinking of ending things. Let's talk about what we don't like. We gotta remove one of these by attrition. Alex Wheatle has a long middle that gets a bit boring, and Mangrove should be twenty minutes shorter. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think Ma- Mangrove 
is like uh, I think like that was like so many people's favorite, and I think for for me that one felt the most like a uh, I mean it felt the most kind of like a TV court like kind of courtroom drama thing. Which, like, obviously, those performances are all great, yep. and that script is great, all those performance scenes are fantastic, and the cross-examination sequences are, like, brilliant. But, I mean, it, it's definitely better than the, like, other courtroom drama released this year, yeah. the Trial of the Chicago 7, like, but by, by, <laughs> I mean, by, by like, a lot. Yeah, yeah, it, it so seems insulting <laughs> to, to, to compare d- d- them. D- d- uh, that was damning with the, the faintest possible praise. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that one felt the most like a movie that someone else could have made. But uh, to me, it is interesting that you say it feels the most like TV because to me, it is the one that feels the most like a film. Like, yeah, they're, all they're, filmed, but like yeah. a big screen, like fi- you know, like mm. a movie, a motion picture. Put on your tie, hun. Well, it 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 has it has the most stars. It's the one that's like actually movie length. Yeah, but but like, oh, you wouldn't be mad if you saw all red, white, and blue. No, I'm not even sure I can fully express what the like specific things are about about Mangrove. But like, obviously, very good. But yeah, it just did, didn't fully like like did, didn't fully land for me in, in the way that like all the other small acts films yeah. did. Uh, uh, Lovers Rock is uh, flawless and yeah. unimpeachable uh, in the best film of the year. Um, red, white, and blue is interesting because Boyega remains an interesting lead, yeah. right? Um, in that he feels like a character actor born with a lead actor's face. Absolutely. Uh, and that all his interesting work has been when he's been forced, when he's been frustrated or forced to the margins of a film and, and to fight for space. Mm. And, and that he doesn't yet, like when he owns a film, when it's him, and like you can see this the most in Pacific Rim Uprising, but also in, in The Star's War. And it, it is that having so much space around him as a lead, he doesn't quite know how to land, right? Yeah. And, and like the thing that makes him break out and attack the block so much is the fact that he's the final girl. He's not the lead from the beginning. Yeah. It is that he is part of a group that disappears and disappears until it is revealing his stardom. He has so much to push against throughout. Um, but it's still great, and it has Neil Maskell in it, who is my current favorite British That's Guy. He, he's Colin Burstead from Happy Birthday, oh, okay. Colin Burstead. He's RB in Utopia. Um, uh, 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 he plays a racist cop in it. Right. Wouldn't yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I think like with Red, White, and Blue, that one also felt a lot more conventional than 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 the other ones. Than the other ones, which is like not what I want from from Stephen Queen. Yeah, Hunger and Shame and Widows are like all deeply unconventional films. I wouldn't call Widows unconventional, but I know what oh, you're like, saying. For, for for like for that type of movie, I, oh I would yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Well, and it exists to frustrate your expect expectations. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, I do think that Boyega is good in it, but yeah, he he's he's not. He, he he's he's not like the like screen presence that he quite needs to be. Well, in, in and, a, and and it, it's it's because he's not that that is a role of all of the roles in across the whole thing. Yeah, that is designed to be a star turn. Yes, and he is an actor who is. A, a, at his best when he's not doing Star Trek. Yeah. He's still great. Yeah. He's still so fucking charismatic. Oh, that like, final scene with him and his dad talking at the table. Oh. Like, incredible. Five stars. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not, to be clear, John Boyega is... He's a really good actor. And, and, and one of the like most... And, yeah. like, the fact that he's a movie star is fucking incredible, and I love it. We, we just have to 
unpack we have to build cases against these things yeah um alex wheatel i think is the weakest right uh, uh and i think part of it is that i don't know alex wheatel's work right, at all yeah, uh, yeah, alex wheatel the real person um and it's weird because i feel the most primed to like it because it, it is the most non-chronological in its storytelling and is the one that in some ways becomes the most mythic especially in the conversations with him uh, and his cellmate who's lesser character so much as he is like um the uh, uh the, a supporting character from a disney film there to dispense sage yeah yeah uh advice so with alex weedle it's pretty widely agreed like that is structurally the weakest of of the five i just don't know what people are saying when they say that what do they mean like what is structurally weak about i I mean so like the like whole flashback structure is like built around like he is in front of his cellmate and his cellmate's like tell me your whole life story from the beginning and then he tells his whole life story from from the beginning i think that's part of it and there, there are there are other there are other things as well i think but I think the performance from Shay Cole in that is like really fantastic for like a first time performance. Oh, like I, I, yes, yeah. There is that scene where he's performing his song about the Brixton riots, which is like just what one of the many five star musical sequences in in in, yeah. in all small yeah, acts. Yeah. That that is uh, when when I made the argument for, to you that we should uh, include small acts as as a unit. Uh, my argument was that each one of them contains at least one moment where you're like, oh, this is the peak, the best thing I'll see in film all year. Yeah. Well, like, and that, that is that, that, that is the one in Alex Wheatle for yeah. me. In education, I'd say there are two. What one's the, the, the teacher member guitar? I mean, the other one is a scene where he he's lying on his bed at night. He's drawing a, he's like drawing a rocket ship. His mum comes into the room and she's like upset that he's still awake. She yeah. she like rips up the paper and she like shouts him to get in the moon and she just slaps him in the face and walks out. And there is like ten seconds b- uh, between like her slapping him in the face and walking out and him starting to cry. And that exactly mirrored how long it took me to like fully register like what had happened in the scene. Yeah, because like it's just so fast and it's so shocking. And, yeah, and then like by the time that he starts to cry, I was just getting like, chills of like realization throughout my yeah. whole body. And it's like perfectly fucking timed. There are several in education for me. I think education is uh, uh, is my second favorite. Oh, okay, I think education is very strong. But I think just ending with the stars and possibility yeah. because it is uh, and collectivism and collective action. And, and um uh, and going out yeah into the sky which which is the ending to education but it is also the ending to small acts yeah uh, 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 lands so hard uh with me uh, it is humiliating the cop uh, is is oh yeah uh, um oh man they're fuck those those racist cops fuck them um uh in in the first one uh um and lovers rock it is kind of all of lovers rock yeah and it is uh, at the risk of becoming david sims there's just so much good kissing in lovers rock oh, as absolutely. well absolutely <laughs> just like oh they should kiss again in red white and blue there is uh the scene uh, of, of john boyega sitting opposite his uh god damn it uh, um when he's arguing oh anyway there, there, there's a good scene with his boss and that oh, yeah, yeah. where where you just watch his face as he realizes how stuck in the mud uh, of racism he is and how he will never advance and also that that choice of ending and that final scene is there 
and yet Alex Wheatle it is. There's that song. So okay, so here here's my my pitch for why Small X should should win over. I'm thinking of any things apart from the fact that it obviously is going to. Yeah. And we're just wasting time. Yeah, well, which is like we started that talking about like things we didn't like about Small X. I mean, just went back to talking about all the like the best parts yeah. of Small X yeah, and how yeah. great it is. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Um. So, but you did you have something? No, not no, he, not, not, yeah, oh, not, yeah. not really. Uh, okay. So yeah, he, goodbye to. I'm thinking of ending things. Once this thought arrives, it stays, it sticks, it lingers, it dominates. There's not much I could do about it. Trust me, it doesn't go away. It's there whether I like it or not. There are so many arguments against it, and the fact I th- I think it is uh, I I think the fact that it gets so many back people's backs up is a mark against it because I think there, it has a I love it. But part of how it performs its intricacy and its intelligence, to take us back to Tenet, um, is like the the things people accuse Nolan of, of being cold and distant and too clever, Yeah. Um, uh, I think are true if I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah. It is just that I, that's what I value. Um, and, and that you can find things from distance. And, and the fact of making this story that is about um, literally interior lives that is largely a fantasia within a janitor's head yeah. and making it at a cold remove with these with jumps and logic and space and incredible old age makeup um, is too clever and is deliberately designed to make people feel stupid. And I like that, but it's bad that I like that. Um, so congratulations to Small Axe. I mean... It, it was rarely in doubt. Yeah. And it, it, but it will also, I don't think every year someone will make uh, epoch defining no. work in, in the way that, that, that McQueen did with Small X. We say it's closing time. But in a certain sense, the matter has just begun. For I believe that this case has opened issues which are likely to decide the shape and future of British society. I believe, and Europe, I believe that this case has opened issues. It has seared the consciousness of the black community to an extent that the history of Britain cannot now be written without it. I want to make myself abundantly clear. Whatever verdict you come to, I mean it when I say, I don't care. I don't care because I believe history is on my side. For if riot and afraid carries that maximum sentence, the sky is the limit. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Now we have to move on to our final award. The, the, the most important award of the night. Yeah, Paddington is in a better tuxedo. He's, he ha, he's Rebel Wilson. He pulled off his fur to reveal a tuxedo underneath. That's right, it's... Best musical or fight scene. Um, now, man, now I have to really work out or... Which of, like, 17 scenes from John Wick Chapter 3 do I pick? Yeah. Um, well, you can pick some from Anima, aren't you? I mean, maybe. Yeah. I do like Anima. But you're first. My wonderful best fight or dance sequence 2019 is a tie between the Hall of Sharp Objects scene from John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum 
where uh, dudes just throw knives at each other for like five minutes. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, uh, which is incredible. Then the, the scene near the end of John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, where John Wick is facing off against Yaya Nurhian and Sisip Arif Rahman, two of the great stars of Indonesian action cinema. Yeah, it's great. And they keep coming, they keep being like, it's so great to fight you, man. Yeah. And then they keep throwing him through glass cases. Oh, it's so good. Yep. Uh, my nominees for this year are the murder basement scene from Old Guard. Fun. Yeah. The fights in that movie, I'd say overall, kind of disappointed me a bit. But I think that first fight scene is, is fantastic. Number four is the car fight in Alone, where Jules Wilcox and Mark Menchaka uh, get into a fight while he is driving a car. Oh, no. And uh, uh, hit each other with tire irons. It's <laughs> good. Holy shit. I did say this film was uh, more grounded than this sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Number three is the Dream Ballet from One Thing of Ending Things. Yeah. Uh, just good. fucking beautiful. I rewatched it this morning. It's it's so good. Uh, number two is the Freeport Brawl and Freeport Brawl Redux from Tenet. Yeah. The first time I saw Tenet, I didn't like that first Freeport scene. It was like, oh, I don't, I, I can't really tell what this fight is. And then by the time you get to the second, you see it in reverse. You're like, oh, this is, okay, I, I get what Nolan's doing now. And then seeing that movie again, I just, just, just loved it the, the whole way through. And then my favorite fight or dance scene from this year is the They Live homage in The Debt Collectors. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to give you an easy way out with that choke, so you know what I'm going to have to do now? I'm going to have to fuck you up. Hey, you know how many times I've heard that Frenchie? What are you going to do? going to kick me? Where Scott Adkins and Louis Mandalore have a seven-minute-long fight in an alleyway. Uh, it's it's so much fucking fun. Uh, this is one of my favorite Scott Adkins fight scenes. It's it's just a fucking delight. Here are my also tied winners uh, from last year: John Wick with a book in oh, the library, yeah. <laughs> and of course the This Is America scene in Guava Island. Check it out. Uh, I've got a lot of nominees, so I'm just going to chuck them all out yeah. there. Dream Ballet, Thinking of Indie Things, it's good. Harley Quinn in the cup station with the grenade launcher yeah. in Birds of Prey. Robert Pattinson fights a seagull in the lighthouse. <laughs> the Freeport both times in Tenant. The Invisible Man in the hospital yeah. versus the guards. I briefly want to touch on this. What I like about that is... It is shot the way he shot action and upgrade, yep. but this time it's terrifying. Uh, teens in cars drifting into zombies <laughs> in Train to Busan Peninsula. Uh, number two, Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik dances <laughs> to Where Evil Grows in Sonic the Hedgehog. And of course, the winner is Silly Games in Small Axe. Yeah. Lovers Rock. Incredible fucking scene. What a scene. What a film and films. Anywho, that's us. Hope you enjoyed that. Tell your friends about the podcast. Shite and sound. <laughs> you can find us online at uh, various places. We are on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod, and you can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Check out our website at ShiteAndSound.com. I'm YouthaLives on Twitter, Instagram. Check me out on Letterboxd. Sign up to my newsletter at bit.ly slash YouthaLives. And where should people find you online, oh, Uh Well, our, our, uh, our theme song. Uh, 
a theme song by Kazam Blam. It's and called The Nux. Yeah, check out the album Trapezoids Away. It's on Bandcamp. Uh, that's everything, right? Yeah. It's been a long day here has. in uh, Epsom. The Civic Theatre. <laughs> that's right. We're yeah. in the Civic Theatre. saying goodbye to Paddington sorry, for the last a, time. Sorry, it's been a long week here. <laughs> and that's right. Paddington has lost his mind. <laughs> what? No, I no, just don't. I have to brief pause. To break kayfabe, I find it genuinely distressing considering <laughs> Paddington going wild yeah. and mauling people. And, 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 that, 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 and that's why you hate Elsie Fisher's Twitter account so much, because she did the evil Paddington bit. Yeah. It was a good bit. Oh, yeah, but <laughs> it's funnier coming from the, the lead of 8th grade yeah. than it is two, two men <laughs> talking about bear mauling people. How good? Do you think there has yet been an edit of Arctic where Mads Mikkelsen is fighting Paddington rather than a polar bear? <laughs> I, I think Mads Mikkelsen would be so good in a Paddington movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think he should, I think he should be a voice and I think he should be the head of like Denmark sun bears. <laughs> and I presume they don't have sun bears in Denmark, but he's like, hey, look forward to talking Mads next year with another round. Hope that's good. Oh, yeah. Though uh, a film where the concept is Mads Mixon decides to get drunk every day. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Overly complicated movie brackets are good. Even bad ones. Go, Go listen, listen to them. them. <laughs> there we, yeah, that, that's it. Okay, good. Yeah, we're all right. So